You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Molly Malouf. She is passionate about extending health span through her medical practice, personal brand, entrepreneurial, and educational endeavors. She provides personalized medicine to world-class entrepreneurs, investors, and executives. Dr. Malouf is on the frontier of digital health technologies, biofeedback-assisted lifestyle interventions, and science-backed wellness products and services, and her new book, The Spark Factor, just hit this month, I believe, and it is incredible. And I can't wait to talk all about it. So welcome Dr. Molly to the show. Thanks for having me. I, like I said, I have read the book. I'm kind of a book junkie on all of these topics. And I'm so glad there is a book like this for women. And I know people have said this probably to multiple times, but there was such a need and now we have it. So can you just talk about what is biohacking and why women need to biohack differently than men? So biohacking is intentionally manipulating your biology to optimize your health. And it's basically a way to change your body and your brain to pursue optimal mental and physical health and fitness. So women have been biohacking for a long time, right? Like if you think about women, we have to go through puberty. We have to figure out how to not bleed all over the place. We have to (laughs) go through fertility years. We have to figure out how to get pregnant. We have to, or not get pregnant, right? Um, we go through menopause and perimenopause. We have to figure out how to manage our hormones through that crazy cycle. And so women have always been trying to biohack their bodies because we've go, we, we go through these crazy changes throughout these different phases of our existence. And so it means that we have to be paying attention to our bodies a lot more than men do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that my six-year-old recently told me that he's so glad that he's not a girl because he doesn't bleed. He can stand up to pee and he doesn't have to wear a bra. And those are all structural adaptations, (laughs) right? Of being a woman that makes it complicated. That's literally one of the best things I've ever heard about. Like one of the benefits of being a man, because like the truth is, is that men, you know, I, I think they, they made this like simulator of menstrual um, cramps at one point for men to wear. And basically <laughs> men were like unable to handle the pain. And women, like, for example, one of my friends, she was bleeding pretty heavily and had to do a vid- like a media appearance. <laughs> and uh, she ended up having uh, an issue where she had to, unfortunately, she bled through her pad. Oh and my gosh. she gets up from the couch. She sees the spot on the couch. Luckily, it's a blue couch. And she's just like, she's just like, they, they're like, okay, can we, can we have a few more questions? She's like, no, I think the interview is ready to go. And, and we're, I think this is, uh, this is, this is great. I've got somewhere else to be. She just walks out acting like nothing happened. I mean, this is the life of a woman. You have to right. walk around pretending like you're not bleeding all over the place, right? Like that's pretty mm-hmm. wild that you have to put on a straight face while you might have horrible period cramps, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, arguably really bad period cramps are a pretty good signal that you need to biohack something in your menstrual cycle, but mm-hmm. suffice to say a lot of women suffer and, and some women have cramps throughout the month, you know, during ovulation, um, before the period, during their period. Mm-hmm. So I don't think most men really fully understand what it's like to be in a female body, but it's a lot more complicated than people realize. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned even that if you're struggling with cramps, maybe that some biohacking needs to happen. What are some ways that we can partner with our cycle so that yeah. we can work with it, not against it? Because I think for years, sure. it's just like push through, push through, but oh, totally. that's not the way. So when I first started getting into a lot of the biohacks that were getting popularized, like ketosis and fasting, I noticed a lot, and even hit training, I noticed a lot of benefits initially, right? Like I was doing lots of fasting. I was losing weight. I was doing lots of hit training. I was getting stronger. And then I got hit by a major psychosocial stressor. And I realized that my body was not able to maintain, like the capacity that I had was not met by the demands. Like the demands was exceeded the capacity. So I, I had too, too little capacity for the demands. And I was also piling on stressors. And I remember at that time in my life, like I, I got really bad cramps and I was like, what's going on? And I had to look at my life and be like, okay, maybe you're doing too many things. And it was really clear to me that like too much, um, what's called allostatic load, which is the amount of cumulative stress on your body. Mine was too high and my stress cup was overflowing. And I didn't realize that what I was doing to make myself healthier was also detrimental to my health at the time, because it was, it was, it was helpful. It was great until a point when my stress levels were starting to get out of control. And I was like, "Uh Oh, like something's not working anymore. And my body stopped being able to fast. I stopped being able to do as much exercise. I was, I was like, I was really burning out. And that's one of the reasons why I had to write this book. Cause I was like, man, I've been through a lot and I found the benefits of fasting. They fixed my, my fasting blood sugar. I found the benefits of exercise. It got me into much better fitness. And yet I also have experienced the detriments of too much of these things. And so when you have a, like a absent period, that's like a lot of some of my girlfriends who are really lean, that's a good sign that you might be doing what's called too much energy, like too much exercise causing relative energy deficiency of sport. So I, I write about this in the book where it's like women who are over uh, exercising and under eating and maybe over fasting and doing too many biohacks stop their period. Yeah. Um, this is really important for women to understand that like, if you've stopped your period at all, that's a signal, something in your life needs to be paid attention to. Yep. And it's usually my friends who are the leanest, who are the most exercise, like exercising the most and eating the least. Now on the, on the flip side, the women who struggle with menorrhagia, too heavy of periods, too much bleeding, too much cramping, too much estrogen is usually the issue and, or too little progesterone. And so you can check for these things. It's really clear and easy to go check, but with this um, company called um, precision hormones they they do what's called the Dutch test. And I'm actually, I've got one right here. I'm about to be doing a, um, a cycle map and it's like a, it's a whole box of these kits and you go through an entire month of tracking your hormones. Mm. And I am just such a proponent of data-driven health optimization, but if you don't have access to this lab or you can't afford it, there's ways for you to go, um, you, know, you can just Google, what are the symptoms of estrogen dominance? What are the symptoms of progesterone deficiency? What are the symptoms of um, relative energy deficiency of sport? What are the, what are the symptoms of, um, you know, like there, there's a lot of ways you can do it qualitatively, but um, suffice to say, if you have, in my opinion, if you have really, really heavy or absent periods, kind of like if you think about the body out of balance, it's usually too much or too little of something, right? So it, we try to overcomplicate things with terminology and diagnoses, 
when really it's, it's important to just kind of look at the body from a perspective of homeostasis and homeostasis is balance, right? So if you're weight gaining a lot of weight and your body's now in the obese BMI range, that's loss of homeostasis because you've lost the ability to maintain normal weight. Same thing with eating disorders, right? So like if somebody has uh, anorexia or, or his underweight, that's also out of balance. And so if somebody has um, depression, that's kind of like a shutdown of the nervous system. Your body is going into a state of, of, of really turning down your nervous system's activities in order to recover from usually a major psychosocial stressor. Mm-hmm. On the other side, somebody who's dealing with significant anger and maybe even bipolar or um, or dealing with, you know, manic states, like that's an out of balance mental state. Mm-hmm. So I try to teach people how to really simplify their health into understanding first principles. And that's what this book is about. And I mean, my book, plus I think the other best book I've read on this topic recently was brain energy by Christopher Palmer, yep, like that's both a good one. books. I mean, both books are basically teaching that the mitochondria are the seat of health or disease. And if you look at the most of the common metabolic diseases and most of the common mental illnesses, they almost always have a common pathway of metabolic dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and usually the thing that I'm most interested in personally is after spending 10 years on metabolism and food and being like, food is medicine. We need to figure it, figure out metabolism. I was asking myself, okay, why is it that certain people who have wearable technology, who know that they should be eating right, who know that they should be taking better care of their bodies, who know the things that they should be doing, can't do it? Why is it that they don't do the things that they know are healthy? And it led me to understanding the role of conditioning, trauma, attachment, and relationships mm-hmm. on health. And I was like, oh, wow. So our bodies are the biological hardware, but our thoughts and the programming of our, our consciousness from our experiences is the software. And I was like, oh, so where does the software programming come from? And it comes from our conditioning from our parents and our early life experiences and our adult life experiences and our traumas. So that's why somebody who might be perfectly healthy, who experiences a social injury or a trauma could end up with, with depression or end up with anxiety or end up with PTSD. It's it's an error in not just the metabol- metabolism, but also in the software, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a hardware and software issue. And when you look at the body that way, it's like, oh my gosh, like you can't ignore the role of psychosocial stress. You can't ignore the role of trauma. You can't ignore the role of, of parental conditioning and attachment on health because that's what's directing the subconscious to tell the body to do what it needs to do to protect itself and stay in a state of, of adaptation. And so the body is always adapting to the demands Oftentimes dis-ease or disease is a reflection of the body's inability to adapt in a way that is healthy. The body will overshoot. The body will over consume to protect itself. The body will under consume to, um, to try to adapt to the stress. Right. And it's really fascinating when you see the body this way, you're like, wow, like this is a totally different thing that I wasn't taught in school. Like, why wasn't I taught this in school? (laughs) So I wrote a book that was trying to teach people the first principles of health around mitochondrial health, around movement, around metabolism, around mastering stress and maintaining connection and understanding the role of hormones as woman is really important because our hormones are a window into our ability to adapt to stress or in, in, in our, whether or not we're adapting well or not. Oftentimes what people don't realize is that almost always hormone dysfunction 
is the body's, it's almost like a, it's, these, these are cellular signaling molecules, right? So when these things get out of whack, it means that they're, there's, there's, they're sensing that there's something out of balance in a person's mm-hmm. life and it's being manifest through your menstruation. So I'm a big believer that like, you want to start to tailor your, your, you know, eating behaviors and your exercise behaviors and your, even your work life in respect, in respect to your menstrual cycle. So, you know, for example, during your menstrual phase, like the beginning of your menstrual phase, you might be a little more tired, a little bit more lethargic and that's okay. And if you feel energized to go work out, great. If you don't just do something restorative. Like I, I worked out the first two days of my period this, um, this month, but that's cause I felt very much like my body was craving exercise, but it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to hit my personal best. I was just trying to maintain my, my muscle, you know? And I wasn't feeling super energized to do a lot of cardio because I was bleeding and I was, and I have a little bit low of ferritin right now. So I'm biohacking my ferritin Mm. and I was like reading about, okay, if I have low ferritin, what kind of exercise is best for me? And it's like walking. I didn't know this. I didn't put this in the book, but I didn't know that when you run, you actually destroy red blood cells. And so, so you can actually cause worse anemia by doing too much more like heavy exercise. So I was like, well, if that's the case, then I should be a lot more careful with the kind of exercise I'm doing. Not doing a lot of HIIT training on, you know, on um, on the treadmill, but doing more like biking and walking. You know, that's really the kind of exercise that you should be doing for cardio and taking more iron supplements, which I have not been consistent on. <laughs> that is so okay. I haven't heard that either, and so that is so fascinating. I've been back and forth anemic for, I mean, since I started my period, you know, yeah. at twelve, and yeah. I'm I'm a chronic cardio. I've tailored it now because of the damage that I I do know that it that it can do to the body. But that's super yeah. interesting yeah. That connection there. Huh. I mean, weightlifting is really my favorite exercise to do, but also mm-hmm. yoga. Mm-hmm. Weightlifting and yoga, those two things. Of, and then like, I do love running. I actually do, but I also am like, I love, I have a great bike and I'm just biking instead, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like it's about, it's about really adjusting your habits and behaviors to optimize your health the best you can, you know? And this is, mm-hmm. this is the coolest thing about biohacking is like, you can mm-hmm. change, you can adjust, you can transform and you can get stronger as you get older. And I have friends that are like, 10 years older than me and they are in the best shape of their lives and they look amazing. And I'm like, I'm going to look like that when I'm your age. In fact, I'm going to get there soon. Like it's really inspiring when you meet people that are like getting stronger and stronger and stronger as they get older. Cause like we're taught that we're supposed to just age and get sick and die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no, that is not the destiny that I'm going to take. I'm not, that is not my destiny. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to get faster. And, um, and I really believe that that's possible for everybody, but it's also, it also requires a major mindset shift because absolutely you have to, a lot of people are sick and they have to get from sick to not sick, which is a real battle, real battle. And then from not sick to optimally well, and these are completely different pathways. So uh, this book is not really designed for people who are super duper chronically ill. Mm -hmm. This book is really designed for people who want to optimize, but if you are chronically ill, there's some great books that I can recommend. For example, um, Amy Myhill wrote a phenomenal book on chronic fatigue syndrome that really was life-changing for me. It's She goes, chronic fatigue syndrome, it's mitochondria, not hypochondria. And I love the title of that book because 
it really taught me that people who do have broken metabolisms because of chronic viral infections cannot be treated the same way as somebody who's trying to get into good shape, right? Like somebody who's just trying to get fit is not going to deal with this. They have to deal with the underlying issues in their metabolism contributing to the conditions that they're in. And that's one of the things that I'm, I, I, I hope that we can get across a lot of these podcasts is like, you got to really know where you're at in the, um, and, and in your health. And like, if you do feel like your health is completely broken, um, you got to find a good functional doctor and you got to work on optimizing your, um, different body systems. And that's usually starts with, which I do include in my book, but gut health is, is, is fundamental because without good gut health, you're not going to get good metabolism. And then um, metabolism and food is fundamental. So making sure that you're feeding your body the food that's best for it. And then making sure that if you've got your metabolism down and you've got your your gut, you know, gut health down, making sure that you're properly detoxing. Because a lot of people struggle with detoxification if their energy levels are not high. And so at, amplifying that detox is really key. I, I just think even normal people should detox occasionally because we're hit with so many, you know, I mean, I was traveling for a few weeks and just getting on an airplane, you're exposed to so many chemicals mm-hmm. and it is like, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. And I will say what I appreciate about the book, because it is hard to, we're talking about individualization. It's really yeah. hard to do that in a book form, but what it I appreciate is. is that you do add in a lot of, well, this might work for some people, but if you're really stressed or if you have yeah. this going on or whatever, then back off. Oh yeah. Like that's important. Fasting is not for people who are under high stress. Yeah. Like I, I, I think maybe in this, in the Savannah, when people were, when people had no food uh, and they had to go find it. Yeah, of course. Like you can fast under stress, but we're living under chronic psychosocial stress every day because of the media and the news cycle and because of social media and because of the rapidly changing world we're living in. <laughs> and the fact that not everyone's prepared to adapt to the pace of evolution that we're experiencing culturally. And so I think that we have to be so compassionate with ourselves, right? Like so compassionate with ourselves as the world is changing so much so fast to be patient, you know, knowing that, you know, like there's, there are things that you can do to get healthier, but don't rush the process. Like when I first started fasting, it was very slow. It took me like a year to get to the point where I could do like a prolonged fast. Mm. And I haven't done one in a few years because COVID was crazy. Mm -hmm. The COVID was batshit. Sorry, but it was crazy. <laughs> and I now am, you can bleep that out, but um, <laughs> I am now in a place where I'm like, oh, you know what? I can use a good fast. I might do that on vacation sometime soon, you know? Um, but it's it's really best to save those intense fasts for when you have time off, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and with fasting, because it is such a buzzword, but it it's another thing that needs to be individualized. So I appreciate oh, you saying that. Um, and I think a lot of even the the fasting gurus from that were starting this way, you know, decades ago, they're now saying that too, because they realize that for women, it's different. And for stress, it's different. And for young people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. young people need to be way more careful. They don't need as much fasting. Yeah. Um, they're growing. Their purpose is to grow. But then there's like, you know, um, menopause, for example. Yeah. Fasting is <laughs> perimenopause. Perimenopause. I have so many women during perimenopause who I, they do like prolon or they do their own fasting mimicking programs. And like my friend, May Tom, I introduced her to fasting and she's, she just went for it and she's really helped her through Mm. 
um, perimenopause, she's designing a fasting mimicking, um, food-based program. And I'm like, hell yeah, ladies, like mm-hmm. let's figure out how to manage the fluctuations in our bodies as we, as our estrogen levels are declining in your forties, you know, mm-hmm. that means that your, your insulin is, is insulin sensitivity is going down. So it's, it's why we will gain weight. It doesn't mean your metabolism is, is necessarily slowing down because it's not, it's not, but it's changing your sensitivity to insulin. So you may notice, I mean, even Gwyneth, by the way, went mm-hmm. from eating pulses and quinoa to going paleo in her fifties because she was like, um, Oh, I can't eat the same way I, I ate in the past. And I noticed that too, when I was in my twenties, I could eat the granola that I made for days. I could, I mean, I would eat bowls of granola for meals and I would have, I was super lean. And now if you feed me a bowl of granola, I blow up, you know, like I get super, super like water retention and weight gain like overnight. And it's just that our bodies are changing and that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. but you can mitigate those changes by understanding what's going on on a cellular level. Yeah. And observing and, and taking note of that and going, okay, my body needs something different right now because the needs of my body have changed. And so I think that, that, as you said, for women, we are the ultimate biohackers and always have been because our bodies are always changing and that's not a bad thing. So what about, um, can we talk a little bit about blood sugar and making sure, because I think that that's a really big concern right now, making sure that we are optimizing blood sugar and keeping track because that can impact anxiety. It can impact sleep. It can impact everything. So blood sugar is the, I've, I kind of coined this phrase, like blood sugar is the ultimate lifestyle biomarker because like blood sugar reflects not just what you eat. It reflects your stress. It reflects your environment. It reflects your, your fitness. It reflects your, um, air quality. You know, it reflects your micronutrient status. It's a really important biomarker of overall adaptation. And I'll be honest with you. It's going to, it's going to fluctuate depending on, your demands, but it is a really important window into your overall ability to handle stress and eat a healthy diet. And so you can see directly on a blood sugar monitor when you're eating sugar, cause it'll spike your blood sugar. And you can see on a blood sugar monitor when you're eating and more, you know, consistent diet, that's got healthy amounts of proteins and healthy amounts of carbohydrates. And to me, that's something that, um, is so important to actually look at a few times a year because when you just get like a spot check of your blood sugar once a year, you're basically looking at just like a picture of a person. But when you look at a CGM, you're looking at a two week story of their life and it's like a movie, you know, and you can see, okay, you ate this, you ate this, you ate this. Okay. What, what did you eat here? And it can really show you how your body is adapting to um, what your diet is and what your lifestyle looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been so informative and I appreciate all of your information. want to make sure your book is called the spark factor and people can order it anywhere, your website, your Instagram. You want to give that out real fast. Yeah. It's at drmolly.co for my Instagram and Molly Maloof MD. And there's so much more goodness in the book. So buy the book, learn from Dr. Molly on her Instagram. There's so much information out there and I appreciate you sharing that. My website is um, www.drmolly.co and my um, Twitter and LinkedIn is at Molly Maloof MD and find me on Instagram though, because that's where I'm most active. 
Yeah. Yeah. You've got a great, and I mean, I, I think I was following you for a few years until I saw, Oh, there's, there's a new book. So right. yeah, I don't even remember how I got a hold of you on Instagram, but that's well, the beauty you. of it. So I'm, thank yeah, so I'm, I love the work that you're doing. So I appreciate you being on and thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you, Aaron. You have a great day. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.